sometimes we look at each other and we're like, yeah, we can definitely do this. Like we can, we can do a lot more than what we put our minds to, if that makes sense. Today on Dirty Linen, we are heading into the beautiful and delicious world of pastry and gelato with Chef Paul Di Benedetto from Menno Zero in Doncaster East. Uh, Paul's story starts with his mum in the kitchen and I'd say it's not an uncommon story for people we chat to on this podcast but Paul has certainly had some interesting twists and turns along the way and has fought hard to be in the position that he is. Paul, really happy to welcome you to Dirty Linen. Thank you Danny, thank you for having me. It's really great to have you on the show. Let's start with where you are now. Tell us about Menno Zero. What, what's your, what does your week involve? So Menno Zero started about um, six years ago. Um, and basically, we are a gelato and dessert bar. Um, I came across maybe five years ago, roughly. And, um, yeah, I had to self-teach myself basically all the stuff that I'm doing now. Um, and, yeah, that's about it really. All right. Well, that's great. So if I come into Menno Zero, what am I going to have? What are you going to tell me I can't miss? So you definitely can't miss our gelato flavours. We've just put in a new um, gelato counter. So we've gone from uh, 24 flavours. We now go to 32. So we've put on an extra eight. Um, trying as many things as we possibly can. So 100% gelato is a must. <laughs> Yum. I'm definitely all about that. Um, yeah, that sounds great. So you told me um, earlier that you learned to bake from your mum when you were just a, a little boy. Tell us about food at home. What was the place of food in your Italian household? So growing up, being Italian, the, um, the nationality that I am, food was, was a, a big thing for us. Uh, whether it was savoury, whether it was sweet, uh, mum was always in the kitchen. And that's basically where I grew my passion for pastry. I think it was about 10, 11, 12 when my grandparents were still here. Um, they were teaching my mum and I was just always so intrigued about Italian biscuits and everything that had to do with the culture of being Italian. And um, yeah, then going to mum's house, I always wanted to tell her, mum, come on, let's bake, let's bake, let's bake. And mum's very first recipe she ever taught me was the the vanilla cake. And it's just, you know, very simple butter, flour, sugar, eggs, vanilla essence. It was in a tin with a ring that looked like a donut. There was no icing, just plain icing sugar. Um, and that was the very first thing I ever learned to bake, basically. And I made so many of them um, that, yeah, mum, me and mum, that's how we grew our connection, basically, in the kitchen. Ah, that's amazing. I mean, honestly, I remember making a lot of cakes when I was a kid, but I could no way think about what the first cake was that I ever made. Um, do you know? Do you remember what it was about baking that really lit you up from such a young age? I think it was just the whole idea of being with family. I think being with my mum was kind of a big thing for me. I've always been close to her, and I think that that's why because through baking and with my grandparents as well, the same thing. They couldn't speak a word of English, but just by cooking and baking, I suppose we just uh, grew grew a connection. And yeah, like I said, many Italian biscuits that I learned to make um, 
I probably don't do enough of them now. Mum will probably be disappointed with me, but I think I think one day I will definitely follow the tradition of the grandparents and and definitely of mum. Oh, that's really beautiful. Um, so uh, I guess, as you've told me in the past, like school was not exactly for you and yeah. you, you left school early and got working in kitchens. Tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, year 10, I was uh, weighing up whether I wanted to continue school or not. It just wasn't for me. I wasn't really enjoying it. Um, I was failing a lot of subjects, so that didn't help either. So I, I was in two minds of whether I should finish school or not. Um, I spoke to the careers counsellor at school. I spoke to mum and dad and they advised me that I should do year 11 but do VCAL instead of VCE. So that was, the, that was the choice I decided to make. I made my decision to go through VCAL and that was at the time was three days of school and two days at, at a job. Um, so I found, I found my job uh, through year 11 and by the end of year 11, by the time school had finished, they had offered me the apprenticeship. So, yeah, I, I chose my apprenticeship at age well, 15 um, and, yeah, never looked back. Wow. And what were some of the, um, I guess, the ups and downs of your career when you're starting at that early age? Well, definitely um, getting getting up early was probably the biggest thing. Then when I was working, I was getting up at, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock. I had to be there by 7. Um, so there was a lot of coffee intake at that age, to be honest, just to try and get to work early. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely loved it, but being so young – was really hard um, to get up and also to speak to older older colleagues that were obviously older than me. And me going in there, I felt a bit um, intimidated almost uh, just because they had more experience and, of course, all of that and I was so young. But, um, yeah, basically I think that was the biggest thing. I'm not exactly a confident person. I was a very shy boy back then. Uh, so, yeah, that was definitely a challenge. Yeah, that sounds really challenging. And I, I really hear you with that getting up early because I think I think there's been studies about teenagers like their body clocks are actually um, suited to getting up a bit later and then staying up later. So it is, um, yeah, I guess that is something, you know, the, biologically that you needed to, to overcome. Uh, what about the physical um, nature of the work? I mean, you were doing a lot of cleaning, um, yeah, like a lot of repetitive tasks. How did that um, affect your health? So definitely the, the first, first few years of my apprenticeship, uh, there was a lot of, you know, washing dishes, mopping the floors, lots of chemical use, um, not really so much the baking side of it. And I got to a point where... Uh, my hands got so bad basically from all the chemicals and all the detergent that um, I ended up having to go to a dermatitis, I had to go to a naturopath, I had to go to a few, fair few doctors to try and work out why my hands were reacting the way they were. They were um, extremely sore, they were peeling, they were extremely red. Um, yeah, there was a lot going on and I ended up getting to a point where I went to go and see one of the doctors and he told me that I had to basically um, put cream moisturizer on my hands and then work in the in the big long gloves. Um, and that was extremely difficult at the time to try and work, you know, in a kitchen like that. It was basically impossible. Um, and yeah, I, I had going off that as well. I had a lot of people telling me that 
maybe this job wasn't for me because my hands were so bad. Um, yeah, so that was definitely a challenge. That's really, really full on. I mean, especially as you said, you were quite shy, I think, to have something that sort of marked you out as um, as different uh, and perhaps, you know, a, a signal for some people to, yeah, consider you unsuitable for the work that you'd set your heart on from such an early age. That must have been personally quite challenging, was it? Most definitely. I had... Um like my mum and dad obviously around me at the time trying to, you know, pick me up and saying, you'll be all right, you know, like everything will work itself out and things like that. But in your mind, you know that maybe this isn't going to work, especially because, you know, every every half an hour you were you were having to take your gloves off and put moisturiser on and, you know, then going back to washing dishes and mopping the floors. So it was a constant, a constant procedure of trying to, work out what I was going to do. So, I mean, how did that resolve? Like, did, did, did the hands improve? Like, what did you, what did you do? Um, to be honest with you, I just ended up just trying to live with it. Um, I stopped wearing the gloves. I stopped with the whole moisturiser thing while I was working. It was just getting way too difficult. Um, so I basically just did what I had to do during the day. And then when I got home, uh, I was doing exactly what they were saying and you know, putting the cream on my hands and putting the gloves on, not having to touch anything. Um, yeah, that's – and then my hands just, I think, became immune to it. And to this day, they haven't really reacted that way. So, yeah, thankfully. Gosh, it's such a journey. I mean, I can't help but think, you know, you're almost like you're the canary in the coal mine, like a signal to some of these substances that are so commonly used in workplaces are not – uh, the best. Some people are obviously more susceptible than others, but um, you know, I've been in some kitchens where they use e-water, like this sort of um, a, a ch- charged water and salt solution that apparently is just as an effective um, disinfectant as actual chemicals. Um, I mean, it, it makes me think that yeah, there really needs to be some widespread change in the way that we approach these things. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think when uh, I first started, which would have been, you know, close to 12 years ago, there wasn't that kind of stuff around back then. So there were some pretty harsh chemicals, like we were using bleach, we were using some hard detergents, I think. And then obviously with your hands being in them and in and around it, I think it just, um, yeah, slowly, slowly, just the way that it worked out. But I think now, obviously, technology's come a long way. And I think that's definitely got something to do with it. So, um, how did like how did the next steps in your career take place? Where did you go to next? So, once I finished my apprenticeship, um, I ended up working another three years uh, at the same place. It was just an Italian pastry shop doing, uh, you know, like the old school wog stuff. Um, and then in myself, I kind of knew that I wanted something a bit different, wanted to change my routine a little bit. And just at the time that it happened, there was a change of ownership. And I thought, you know what, I need to do something else. I need to broaden my horizons a little bit. I want to be out there a little bit more. I want people to see and and know what I do and things like that. Um, I got a phone call from my cousin, like I said, the same time as the, the ownership basically changed over. And my cousin is the one that owns Mano Zero now. He approached me with, with a job and, um, I thought about it for a few weeks and, yeah, I took the job. Uh, And in between all of that, 
I was thinking for myself as well, not knowing how men I was going to go. So I decided to to start a business myself and just bake at a home, uh, at a mum's kitchen. Um, and yeah, that was very challenging too. Uh, yeah, and basically that's where I am now, six years later. Oh, that's incredible. So back into mum's kitchen, but presumably uh, doing more than the vanilla cake. <laughs> yeah, d- definitely more than the vanilla cake. But like I said, it definitely had its challenges too. Yeah. And so are you still balancing those two streams or what are you doing? So I got about two years into my business and it was really difficult to be able to go full-time at Manor to then go home and basically do it all again, you know, and having to clean up again and having to start basically the same job again out of mum's kitchen. Cooking with like mum cooking dinner and all that, it was very, very, very difficult. I was getting, you know, a few cake orders here and there because I wanted to try and specialise in in birthday cakes and smaller desserts. But, um, yeah, like I said, I got about two years in and I had to weigh it up because it was I was just completely off my feet thinking about, you know, w- what's best for me and what's best for, at the time, my fiancé. So, you know, thinking about what I should do, me and her future-wise, and, um, yeah, we decided to, to buy into Menozero. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I mean, you, you, obviously family is so important to you. you. You know, you mention it a lot and, you know, at, very, at different stages of your life, you know, part of those, those key decision-making points. I mean, what's uh, – now you've got a fiancé and looking ahead to the future with, with them. Um, tell, me, tell me about the change that that's brought along in your life. Well, the change was definitely hard. Um, I came from, you know, from mum and dad being so sheltered, being so looked after, Um, you know, my parents doing everything for me, uh, cooking my lunch, you know, things like that, to having to uh, be with a partner that's extremely independent, that's having to complete different work ethic to what I was used to. You know, I was working 6 a.m. till 2 p.m. every day, didn't work an hour later like a minute later nothing to now having to do it you know like for yourself and you get that little bit more satisfaction when you do it for yourself so you know we're doing the long hours we're doing the big days we work every public holiday you know Christmas day Easter day it's just like a normal day for us and basically five years ago that was never in my plans at all you know so yeah. Wow. So she's really, like, I guess, helped you step it up a bit. Oh, yeah, 100%. She has definitely brought me out of my shell, that is for sure. Is she in the industry as well? So she was studying law at the time that I met her. Um, she was working at Manor as well um, from the beginning. So she'd already been there for one year. And then when I came across, um, she stopped law to basically be – um, you know, my partner in crime and to work alongside me. Um, she worked at 095 previously, which is the pizza shop just up the road for a few years already. And yeah, she took over front of house. Um, yeah, so she's in charge of front of house and I'm in charge of back of house. Wow. So do you feel like you're this dynamic duo that can take on the world now? We definitely feel like it. Sometimes we look at each other and we're like, yeah, we can definitely do this. Like we can... We can do a lot more than what we put our minds to, if that makes sense. Um, I'm very, I'm very like, I like plans. I like by the book. 
I like, you know, to know what's happening, whereas she's a lot more just go with the flow, you know, we've got to think further and all that kind of thing. So we're kind of a good partners where we can balance each other out. And, I mean, where do you see your career going? In terms of my career going right now, it's definitely focusing on trying to build Mano a lot more. Like we would absolutely love to have a few more shops around. We've got the one in Dramana and obviously the one in Doncaster East. But 100%, we would love to have, you know, more shops out there. Um, in terms of my career, I just want to be, I suppose, I, I being this shy boy and having a bit of a story, I'd like people to hear my story a little bit more. Um, and, yeah, that, that's basically it. What do you want people to, to get from your experiences, Paul? What would you like them to take from your story? Definitely that being you know um if you can put your if you put your mind to something doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter what the challenges are um like i said i was a shy boy working nine to five i put my mind to something and i i absolutely smashed it you know i had a lot of people doubting me especially with my hands and my work ethic i was very lazy i used to go home and play playstation i used to sleep in the afternoon i was very different to what i am now and i think that's due to me having to put my mind to it. And I think uh, I'm, I'm slowly, slowly getting to where I want to become. Uh, I mean, I've got to say, <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying, but you were getting up at six and working all through. Like, I don't know if you're as lazy as you're saying, but sure, fine. Maybe keep off the PlayStation a little bit. Um, <laughs> Paul, what advice do you have for people who are listening to this? I mean, there might be you know, a, a teenage apprentice like you were, maybe they're, you know, later in their career but wondering how they can take that brave next step. What advice do you have for, for people listening to this? I definitely think that you should 100% take it. If you've got something in front of you or, you or you believe that you can be something or be someone or something's in front of you and it's just that little bit out of reach, 100% just go for it. Don't worry about anyone telling you the right way or the wrong way because only your way is the right way and if you do make a decision that you know might make or break but at least you've made it someone else hasn't made it for you so definitely take the plunge and do it i love that and you know the people around you have obviously been important to you at different stages in your life what would you say to people you know who are perhaps wondering about you know, who might be the best mentor for them and also, I guess, being vulnerable and, and asking for help when you might need it. Yeah, so I've definitely had my fair share of going to people to, to ask for help. I'm a, quite a sensitive person where when I get in a little bit of a rut, I need, to, I need to vent to someone or I need to talk to someone. So, you know, if someone is in that position, 100% try and reach out to someone and you'll know within yourself, I mean, I found along the way, like who my closest friends are. And I think uh, when I left school, there was a lot of people that said, yeah, let's be friends, let's be friends, all this kind of thing. But you seriously know who your closest friends are and who you can rely on because they're the ones that always give you that time of day. Yeah. And I guess, is it about looking for people that stretch you and help you be your best self? So I definitely feel like you should have people in your life that are going to push you, yeah, 100%. But I also feel like you need those couple of people that just bring you back to reality a bit and, and brings you home. 
Like my mum and dad do that for me. They bring me home, but yet everyone else that's in my life can bring me to another place, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, I can't wait to see where your journey takes you or where you take your journey because you definitely sound in control of your destiny at the moment, Paul. Um, Thank you so much for um, sharing your insights and your story on Dirty Linen today. I think it's going to be yeah something a lot of people will get something out of. No, thank you, Danny. Thank you for having me. And this is my first time on a podcast. So, yeah, thank you very much. I reckon you smashed it out of the park, mate. So, yeah, thanks for giving it a go. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.